This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Gem and the War, and the author is Gordon Thine, and Gordon joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Gordon. Hello, Steve. Great to have you with us all the way from London. Uh, this book is a fictional village, of, kind of centered around this village on a, a re- bit of a remote part of England during World War II, but still the war had its impact. You weren't being bombed, but the war had its impact, and that's what your book is about, how the citizens dealt with the war. That's right, how people, ordinary people, geared geared themselves up to this uh, threat of Hitler and the possibility of uh, the country being invaded. Yeah, a lot of fears, obviously. Uh, Thank God that didn't occur. But, of course, uh, England took uh, took quite a beating with the the bombing and and, uh, relentless that Hitler was trying to destroy the country. So... uh, you know, it's set in the early days of World War II at a time when boys were allowed by their parents to roam about much more freely than today, and it kind of takes you back to your own boyhood. But at the same time, this boyhood had the challenges of of war, and that uh, most of us can't relate to that. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Um, Jim, the main character, is... Uh, nine years old at the start in 1937 um, he's a boy with uh, some ide- ideas some of which are rather rash and impulsive getting him into getting him into trouble but he has a great capacity for friendship which I hope comes through well before we get into more about Jem and, and all of his friends and the challenges of the time, tell us about yourself, Gordon, and how this book came about. Right. Well, um I retired a few years ago from the uh, what we call the civil service, the government service, and uh I'd uh, been thinking about my youth um, and conceived the idea of um, this story uh, set in a part of England, that's Yorkshire, which uh, I had known as a boy. And so this this fictional village, uh, the, the name of it, give us the name. Althwaite. Althwaite. It's on, yes. Uh, uh, so we're here before and then the early part of the Second World War, now, Jem has his good friend, Harold. Now, tell us about some of their adventures at that time, especially dealing with a, a local tramp. Yes, well, the local tramp called Benji is regarded as a disreputable figure. Um, but uh, Jem uh, takes pity on him. And one Christmas, Jem steals from his home one of the two Christmas puddings his mother has made, and uh, takes it to Benji so he can have, he can have a feast. Um, and then uh, 
Harold, uh, who is his chairman's best friend, uh, they get involved in uh, a number of adventures, um, one of which is um, rescuing um, a woman who's come to the community who's an artist who's been painting the village. Um, because she seems rather foreign, the local local women regard her with suspicion, think she may be a spy. But Chairman uh, Harold think otherwise, manage to rescue her, and this introduces another character, the local squire, a um, an aristocrat, who is one of the central figures. And a very important part of your story is the home guard. Tell us about uh, that. Was that really happened? That did really happen. Yes, and it was a very. Um, extensive uh, organization over the whole country. Uh, men who were not old enough, not young, young enough, or not fit enough to be called up into the regular forces were um, asked to join local militias, which became called the Home Guard. And one is set up in this, this village of Althwaite. And the question at first is, who's going to be the leader? Who's going to be the captain of this Home Guard unit? Um, there's more than one possible candidate, but one, obviously, is the local squire because he's got aristocratic connections and it's thought he would show some capacity for leadership. But not everyone is convinced by that. And uh, the squire is a very fair man. He offers to have a public debate about whether he or somebody else should uh, become the leader of the uh, Home Guard. But one of his talents is, um, although he's a very shy man, really, he's, uh, he's a good orator, and he manages to uh, take the uh, meeting with him, and he becomes the leader of the Home Guard unit. So we follow his... Uh, I guess some of his challenges in leading this home guard group. That's right. And one of them, which is a quite an amusing part of the book, I think, is that um, there is another home guard unit in a neighboring village, and the two are pitted against each other uh, in an exercise. Uh, the exercise is to uh, uh, supposedly defend a local reservoir. Um, Jem thinks that he will uh, assist the squire by spying on the other unit's plans for this exercise. That puts Jem in a very difficult position when he's uh, almost surprised by the uh, other unit returning to its hut and has to take refuge in the the, the, the laboratories before he's rescued later on. Your book is an adventure, it's got mystery in it, and of course the uh, big theme of it, friendship. Now, their concern uh, for Benji, their concern as far as uh, what's happening to him, Jem and Harold, uh, why are they so concerned about Benji when uh, when the war starts? Well, um, 
the grown-ups in the village uh, regard Benji as an outcast, really. Um, but Jem, being a boy, um, doesn't find him repulsive, and uh, he, can, he conceives some sympathy for him, which gives rise to the Christmas pudding episode. And gradually, from there on, um, he, Jeb, and Harold become friends with Benji, and uh, they um, help to um, integrate Benji, eventually, into the, the local society. And they're concerned that Benji may not know that the war has started. <laughs> That's one of their concerns. Benji's gone off on one of his uh, uh, annual treks on the moors. He likes to get away from people. And uh, Jam thinks that, uh, suspects perhaps, that uh, Benji has not heard that the war has started. So Jam persuades his father that they should go in search of uh, Benji uh, camping on the moors. And then there's Alice. Tell us about Alice and uh, her relationship with Jem. Alice is two years older than Jem. She's um, a farmer's daughter. Um, she is obviously attractive. Jem is just, at this point, entering into adolescence. And uh, Alice makes quite an impact upon him. Um, he doesn't, of course, declare any feelings for her, but uh, they are nonetheless there, and he becomes very jealous when another boy seems to have uh, set his cap at Alice as well. Well, some of the mystery deals with Jem's dad. I mean, that that is, uh, he's gone off to war. Yes, he is called up into the army. Uh, he becomes an ambulance driver in uh, North Africa and uh, he is injured he in fact loses an eye he comes back home he's very depressed um, and he has to be nursed back to sanity um, and in this process the local vicar plays quite a, an important part and then the mystery about this strange disappearance from a wall of the parish church, the local parish church. Yes, the um, hanging on the wall of the local parish church are some pieces of armor which belonged to ancestors of the local squire. They've been there for centuries. Suddenly they disappear. Who has taken them? Could it possibly have been the evacuees who had been brought into the village from uh, a city which was being attacked by the Germans? Now, this intrigues Chairman Harold. The local police are inclined to dismiss it as something unimportant, but Chairman Harold investigate, and with some surprising conclusions. Your book also has some maps uh, to help kind of orient everyone. That's right. These were um, drawn by my daughter, Helen. There is a map of the village showing where the principal characters live. And then there's also a map of the 
reservoir around which the exercise takes place between the two home guard units. I've always liked maps in books. I think they help you to uh, place yourself in the story and to understand its development as well. The title of the book, Gem and the War, and we've been talking with Gordon Thine. He is the author. Uh, Gordon, what's the best way to get your book? Well, through Author House or um, Amazon, yes. Well, we appreciate you joining us on Author Talk. Thank you very much, Steve. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Our book today is titled Gentle Shepherd Ministries, Discipleship, and supplementation courses. Our author, who joins me from Idaho, is Rayola Kelly, and uh, this book was also co-authored by Jeanette Haley, one of her associates. Rayola, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Glad to to visit with you and share your story. 575 pages. This is an extensive read. It's more than just something you could sit down and casually go through. What is the style of your book? The style of my book is to help people in a simple way come to an understanding of their Christian faith. A lot of times people are left to their own devices to figure out what they're supposed to believe. They don't always come up with the right beliefs, so this is to help them, uh, guide them, I should say, in the right direction as to what their understanding should be, their beliefs, and their tenets of faith, so that they can stand uh, on what they believe and give a defense of it, give an account of it, instead of being uh, confused. One thing I noticed as I was going through your book, it is not just commentary. You do have some towards the uh, last chapters, but in the beginning chapters, most of it is scriptural references and maybe a slight commentary. Would you describe your book as a transdenominational in its nature and approach? Yes, it is. It's, it's, not, it's not geared towards what we call pet doctrines. It's geared towards the basic foundation of the Christian faith. A lot of people get caught up in uh, doctrines or particular theology or ideas, and this is just to keep it simple, because the Bible talks about the simplicity of our faith and the simplicity of Christ. And so many times we complicated it uh, by trying to have greater insights, and we just need to come back to that simple, uh, the simple truths of Christ and His Word. 
there are some complexities in the religious Christian faith, not just in uh, the way you've described it, but uh, from observation standpoint, there are individuals that seems to seem to stand up and uh, feel like they've got something that's special, new, renewed, unique, and that people should listen to them. Your book does not approach it that way. It's more of a practical application, isn't it? Yes, it is, because I think that uh, we get sidetracked from what's important uh, as far as the Bible, as far as God's heart. God's heart isn't that we get these great insight. God's heart is that we know Him, and we understand His basic truths. They're very basic. A child can understand it, and He even says so. If you don't come to Him as a child, you can't really receive His truth. If we complicate it, then we we will get off base of what's important to Him. When you began to write this, uh, this has been a lifelong project in some regards. How long ago mm-hmm. did you begin this particular book, Gentle Shepherd? Well, I became a Christian in 1976, and I became a very avid Bible student uh, because I had been involved in, in other belief systems that were not really uh, what I would call correct or conducive for, for my well-being. And so I decided I wanted to know for myself. Uh, so many people operate from what we call assumed beliefs. They have been told this. And therefore, it's okay. But it's up to each individual to find out what they really want to or need to believe for themselves. Because I can't defend defend somebody else's beliefs. So I set out to know for myself. And so it's been since 1976. But this uh, book came into operation in about 1992 when we were going to a missionary school. And we realized they didn't have good enough material to really disciple the missionaries or for the missionaries to use overseas. So I decided I should try to write a discipleship course, and this is what came out of it. Is this something that, a, a, as you mentioned, missionaries can use? An individual, a Bible scholar, Bible teacher, anyone could reference the material here and find access that would benefit them? Yes, it is. Uh, basically, it's good for a, a new convert because it just helps them in their basic tenets of belief, but it also helps the student. It equips the student of the Bible to be a greater disciple of Christ, and it's a useful tool for a teacher if they want to teach it. Uh, the main thing, it also allows people to do greater studies in the Bible if they want to. It gives them a foundation and basis, and then they can do more study. In fact, I've written other books. Uh, that can be intertwined into this discipleship course that gives more information. So it's very extensive, Uh, depending on the student. Yeah, your chapter one talks about the Godhead, which is a a topic that confuses a lot of people, but one thing that you have shared in here is the historical references to God or the Godhead, the names of God, for example. You have uh, 10 or 12 of those mentioned. There's more than that available if those, uh, I guess, individuals studying this wanted to go deeper in their Bible study. Sure. It just gives, um, it gives enough where a person gets to get hungry and, and maybe to build up their curiosity. Uh, I think one of the things that we have in our society is an instant society. We want to know it all at once. But that's not possible for the Bible, and it's not possible for a God who's eternal. And so we have to be willing to allow our curiosity to be stirred up 
so that we will go deeper and further into our studies. And I hope that this, uh, you know, discipleship course sort of gives them that little taste so that they'll go deeper and want to know more for themselves. You've also given the reader opportunity, if he is a student or if they choose to be, uh, an opportunity to put personal notes and establish a growth path that way as well. Yes, I want people to put their own uh, understanding down. And the beauty about learning is that if you put your own understanding down and then you go back through it, you will realize how much you have learned. And so I want them to put their own heart into it, their own understanding, their own meditation, their own thoughts in it, uh, how it impacted them. And so I wanted to give them the opportunity to do that as well. And again, I'll underscore for the re- for the listener, most of your commentary is not commentary, but just uh, scripture references, maybe a short paragraph describing what that content is about. You do get a little more involved towards the end of the book, but in the first few chapters, it's it's pretty straightforward. That's your approach, isn't it? Yes, I want scripture to speak for itself. Uh, I think there's a lot of opinions out there, and I have my opinions, too. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily make it uh, proper for somebody else. And so I try to keep the commentary down, and my goal in this discipleship course was to connect the dots. Uh, The Bible is so full of information, but the dots have to be connected for a person to have a complete picture. So my goal was to use Scripture to connect the dots for people so that they could have a fuller picture of who God is, what salvation is, what the gospel is, all those uh, issues that we have to come to terms with. And some of, them are, some of those issues have been confusing to the Bible reader, and uh, you give them some options so that they can study on their own and develop their own uh, observations. Yes, I don't want to tell people how to believe. And that's, I think that's a problem with a lot of different denominations. They want to influence how people believe. I want people to come to terms with uh, with who God is for themselves, because it's up to them to know God for themselves, and and they can't know God through somebody else. And so my goal was to give them some options and encourage them to study it out for themselves and to establish their own belief system and not be controlled or dictated to by other people. Uh, and, of course, again, it comes down to you can't defend other people's beliefs. Ariola, as you completed this book, who did you think would find it of value? To me, any Christian that's hungry and thirsty and really just wants the simple truth, I think there's so many Christians out there that are tired of the debates. I mean, there are endless debates about who is right and who is wrong, and they get confused and they think, is there just something or some source that I can look at and just see it for myself and develop my own understanding? And so I want to take out all the debates and just let Scripture speak for itself. I do put, like you said, a bit of commentary in it, but I really try to stay away from influencing how people should think. I think they need to come to terms with that for themselves. To describe this to my listeners in a couple of sentences in a condensed form, the abbreviated version, how would you do so? Well, it's about the love of God. It's about our hope uh, in God. It's about the, the heart of God, which is 
salvation, which is being delivered from all the things that just wear us down and oppress us. And that's the beauty of this this discipleship course, is that it helps you become a follower of Christ. And the more that you follow Christ, the more that you're set free to discover who you are. A lot of people are, are trying to say, who am I? And it's basically found in uh, right back to their creator who designed them to be uh, someone special. And so I wanted this book to give them that opportunity to discover that. And the student can take it at their own pace and develop mm-hmm. their own understanding by taking their time if they need to. Yes. Uh, you can take as much time as you you want. You can uh, get other resources and uh, study the uh, uh, the text or study the theme and come out with a better understanding. I just wanted people to get a little bit hungry and thirsty. There's so much out there that people are just inundated. And what do you eat of? What do you partake of? What do you believe? And so this was my way of just cutting out all the nonsense that's going on and giving people an opportunity just to come back to the simplicity of who Christ is and the simple truths of his word. Would you underscore that that might be the approach that you took in order to make it different from others in the marketplace? Yes, well, it is, but it's more extensive. A lot of the discipleship courses that I've seen, uh, there is this uh, influence to cause people to think a certain way. But the other part is it's not extensive. Most discipleship courses are very uh, surface, and, and it's a quick way of trying to get people, you know, at a certain place. But this is a discipleship course that is to bring balance to a person's understanding, at the same time give them the opportunity to meditate for themselves what they should believe and what they should know. 575 pages. What were the challenges in getting this completed? The challenges was redoing it constantly. (laughs) It's been redone about four times as far as uh, changing scriptures, uh, correcting it, not changing scriptures, but changing the version I used. Uh, I I use the King James uh, it, because it, there's a lot less complications in that. But uh, it was it was going through it about four times and retyping it because I started on a word processor. And I think my other great challenge was just to keep it simple, to stay away from my opinions, to stay away from pet doctrines, and just keep it simple and keep it straightened and on that path that I wanted uh, to establish for other people. You've done a great job. The title of the book, again, is Gentle Shepherd, Ministries, Discipleship, and Supplementation Courses. And our author, Rayola Kelly, has joined me from Idaho. Rayola, where can my listeners get copies of your book? Well, they can get it through Author House, and Author House, you can find them on the Internet. And they can also get it through our ministry, uh, Author House is probably better source, but our ministry is General Shepherd, and you can find us uh, on the internet. It's uh, www.gentleshepherd.com. Uh, but uh, we have a couple of different sources and where they can get the book. Rayola, thank you for joining me today, sharing the background story into a very important uh, subject matter and an important book for those who want to know more about Scripture more about the gospel, and more about their faith. Thank you for joining me today. 
Thank you for having me. For Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Homeschooling? Half questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, The Prophecies of a Father, and the author is H.E. Ambassador Edward M. Ture, and filling in for Mr. Ture is Dr. Michael Wanda. He's serving as proxy for the ambassador. Hello, doctor. Great to have you with us. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. All the way from London. Uh, Well, let's get right into it. The Prophecies of a Father. What inspired uh, Mr. Touré to write this book? Well, uh, uh, Ambassador Edo Touré was inspired by uh, so many factors, but I would just put down uh, three main factors. One, uh, he wants to pay a fitting tribute uh, tributes to the memories of his benevolent father, Paramount Chief Kande Ture, for his uh, prophecies of all the great things that he has accomplished. And then secondly, he uh, is determined to throw educative light on the previous and ongoing political events of their great party, the All People's Congress, and the country at large for the benefit of posterity. People need to know about that party because this is a political book, political style, if you like. And then thirdly, uh, he wants specifically to educate uh, his readers about the institution of Paramount Chief TNC and the customs, culture, and traditions of their region, Makini, Northern Sierra Leone. These are the key reasons that inspired him to write this book. And who are the audiences that he has in mind for this book? Well, his target audiences are uh, those interested in history and the politics of Sierra Leone and the institution of Paramount Chieftaincy in Northern Sierra Leone, those are traditional rulers are called Paramount Chiefs in our country. And uh, secondly, educational institutions, policymakers, and politicians within and without the continent of Africa. What's the relationship, the relationship between his career as ambassador of his country and being an author, being a part-time author? Yeah, uh, the roles are interrelated, as you may appreciate, or readers may appreciate, and they blend very well 
In this book, uh, most of the themes make meaningful reading to the world of diplomacy, which he is as a senior ambassador, he's a diplomat, writing and politics. As a, as a senior diplomat, it is his role and responsibility to inform and educate the diplomatic community and the world at large about the history, culture, traditions, customs, and the politics of his country, Sierra Leone. This book addresses all of these issues. Well, very complex, uh, comprehensive. Uh, how long did it take him to write the book? Uh, the good Lord put him into remembrance, really, for exactly one week. And uh-huh. then the drafting of the manuscript began. Then he accomplished the entire process in less than six months. Very good, very good. Uh, what are some of the challenges, difficulties that he faced in writing the book? Well, uh, combining what he was expired, inspired sorry, to write and his busy official, his very, very busy official schedules as a senior diplomat ambassador of his country to the United Kingdom uh, was very, very challenging. But uh, actually, he must confess that uh, he had the guidance of the good Lord all the way. So what's next for the ambassador? Is he planning to write in any more books? Of course, uh, the, the ambassador has more books to write. Writing is an inspiration. Once you start writing, you're, you're inspired. He has tasted this once, and this is official and very first book, premier book, if you like. He wants to write so many books. Uh, currently, when I spoke to him, I speak to him on a regular basis. I spoke to him uh, yesterday and day before yesterday. He's, in fact, uh, drafting a manuscript, and he has almost done uh, one quarter of it. He's continuing proudly towards uh, the end of the year or beginning of early next year, Otto House will have another manuscript uh, from the hands of Ambassador Truey. Did anyone help him write this book, The Prophecies of a Father? Well, indeed, um, writing is, is a collective uh, endeavor. It's a collective endeavor, and uh, so that's the reason why it is exciting. Um, you'll have a lot of people who help you psychologically, uh, spiritually, and then academically or intellectually, if you like. Uh, but specifically, he wants to thank his family at home in Sierra Leone and abroad, his personal friends at home in Sierra Leone and abroad, his colleagues in the diplomatic community here in the United Kingdom and elsewhere that he represents, uh, his energetic team at the Sierra Leone High Commission in the UK, uh, the proofreader and editor, Dr. Michael Nicholas Wunda, and publishing and his publishing company, Author House. Above all, his love and thanks go to his president, the president of Sierra Leone, Dr. Ernest Bai Koroma, uh, their great party, the All People's Congress Party of Sierra Leone, and his compatriots, Sierra Leoneans. Finally, on a different but very important note, he prays through this medium, that is this interview, that uh, the country Sierra Leone and other regions affected by the deadly virus Ebola will be put in good stead to contain it. And as uh, they mourn their dead, he also prays fervently for those that are recovering from the virus. The title of the book, The Prophecies of a Father, the author, H.E. Ambassador Edward M. Ture, and we've been listening to Dr. Michael Wunda, who's filling in for the ambassador. Uh, what's the best way for everyone to get his book? Also, 
we're promoting the book currently. And uh, if people want to get it, they should consult um, Otto House um, and, and, and himself personally here in the UK. That is the Sierra Embassy here in the United Kingdom, in London. Uh, a direct contact would be good. And also through me, uh, my telephone number 0207. 793-7212 email address Dr. Michael uh, Michael Wunder at AOL.com Well, thank you so much, Doctor, for joining us on Author Talk. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. 